Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Boy, it would be hard to have a bigger show leading into championship weekend than we have for you. We have Tennessee transfer news. Only the defensive back that uh, the balls could probably still use. I debated this earlier in a column in my own head as I debate myself. Doesn't sound right, does it, Caleb? As you can uh, check that out on Off the Hook Sports, we'll discuss it now. Boo Carter says, Walter Nolan, come back home. He's not a, not from here. Uh, we'll get to that. Also, accumulated attendance ranking as Tennessee does pretty darn good compared to the rest of the country and the SEC. Would the Vols rather have Josh Heupel or either coach in the SEC championship game right now? It's what I love about Caleb Calhoun. He's not afraid to ask the questions that could rile you up. He brought that up at the 3.45 a.m. production meeting this morning. I was like, Caleb? He's like, Dave? I said, Caleb? I said, that could get some people riled up because it's tough not to pick Kirby Smart. And you're like, let's just roll with it. I said, okay, I trust you, Caleb. So let's do that. Also, uh, Joe Milton receives a senior bowl invite. What player will you miss most out of this senior class? I've got mine, and it's with a bullet. It's not even close. You can probably guess it. 
plays tight end, and he works for the uh, the station. So that's that's what we like to do. Jalen Hyatt, named NFL Rookie of the Year, Hendon Hooker, or week, I'm sorry, Hendon Hooker will be back on the practice field of the Lions. And Nick Saban should have said it should be disrespectful to leave a team out of the college football playoff. Kind of tend to agree this day in Tennessee football history as well. And is this the last year that conference championships matter? Caleb Calhoun, got a lot to get to. How are you, sir? I am good. Happy 1st of December, Dave. Is that, I mean, that can't be right, can it? Is it really already the 1st of December? Yes, it is the 1st of December. Um, I have traumatic experiences from my childhood because uh, our church would always have these big, like, December Christmas events on the first weekend. And they would try to shame me because I'm like, football is more important than church. So, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I wanted to watch football games instead. That sounds like a whole different show as uh, far as we'll call church should be canceled during football season sorry it should yeah we'll call it the the seo on that is um does caleb calhoun believe we'll get into that some other time but uh, we've got a lot to get to on the program and you brought up a topic at that meeting this morning that um this might be the last weekend where conference championship games really matter and i'm i'm a big playoff proponent i'm all for it 12 16 do it let's do this uh and i'm all for that but i will give you that the conference championship games could i don't think they will go this far but could go the way of the basketball conference tournaments i sure hope that's not the case uh so we did we have a a couple of questions on the message board that said i'd like to hear your thoughts on the yukon tight end and the uh, south carolina wide receiver in the portal uh, do you have any thoughts on that really quickly? That's catching you kind of off the top here before we get into Tennessee's transfers. Uh, the U- the South Carolina receiver is Juice Walls. I actually mentioned him. And, yes, he has entered the transfer portal. If Tennessee could get him, get him. He cooked Tennessee a couple of years ago. I mean, he's the whole reason that everybody hated Kamal Haddon for so long was specifically <laughs> what he did to <laughs> in that game. So, I mean, so if you can go get him. A receiver played so good that everybody hated the defensive back. Yes. Um, so Justin Jolly is, or Jolie, I think is the UConn transfer tight end. I don't think Tennessee honestly is going to, I don't think they need to waste their NIL or recruiting resources on going after a transfer tight end. McCollin Castles is fine. And I think Ethan Davis is going to take a big leap next year. Don't you, Dave? So I just. Uh, I do. I think he's going to take a monstrous leap from talking to Jacob Warren. You can check that out on the channel. Be sure and hit the like and subscribe button because Jacob Warren thinks Ethan Davis is poised to have a fantastic year in 2024. My question is, who's the second tight end going to be? Because they like to rotate uh, those guys each and every series. Talking Tennessee transfer news in and out. It's four downs right now. It's brought to you by friend Andy Mason. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Four downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Andy Mason, best service, best prices in the biz. East Tennessee, over 40 years right there. Your real estate needs will be well taken care of. First person I called, moving back to Knoxville, and it's Andy Mason. Andy Mason realestate.com so we have tennessee transfer news so let's go ahead and get to four downs and break some of this down because december used to be all about recruiting and kind of sort of getting ready for a football game a bowl game but now 
it's really more about keeping your staff together, keeping your team together, having that arm around the shoulder that maybe this isn't the best place for you anymore type of conversation. So let's go ahead and dig into it right now. Uh, first of all, Coop, what should people do that like the program? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Thank you, Coop. First down. Coop here. First down. All right, we got ball transfer news. Warren Burrell enters the portal. Loss, big loss, mega loss. Where would you rank it? Not a big loss. I say, okay, how about this? Loss, just loss. I, I mean, it's not like he's nothing. Um, I think Warren Burrell was actually, he was coming back from injury, and I think he's very good guarding number two receivers. But Dave, honestly, I think Tennessee's got plenty of cornerbacks that can guard number two receivers. The problem is they don't have somebody who can guard a number one receiver. You and... know, the only reason I struggle with this, and I think Tennessee's offensive line is going to see this, and I think Tennessee's secondary is going to see this, where eventually it's going to be, buddy, I'm sorry, you're not good enough to play at the University of Tennessee. I think the talent level will raise to that point. I don't know that it's there yet. So I don't know that you say goodbye to some of these offensive linemen and defensive backs in particular. Linebackers, a, a whole different argument. You just need four good ones. I think you could do that if you needed to or move Elijah Herring to defensive end. But those two positions, I'm not ready to say goodbye to live bodies that know the system. And that's a lame reason to keep somebody, but that's my reasoning. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it, but I think cornerback has is actually deeper than people think in terms of players who can see the field. It's just not deep in terms of number one cornerbacks. There's not a cornerback that can shut down coverage on one side of the field on this roster at all. So no. that's so Burrell and that look, Ricky Gibson and Jordan Matthews will both be able to do what Warren Burrell can do next year. So well, we hope so. Um, Aren't we a little surprised we didn't see more of them, especially Jordan Matthews, based off what I heard in preseason? And your evaluation of him, I'm a little surprised we didn't see Jordan Matthews in there earlier. I would be more surprised next year. I'm never surprised when they're a freshman if you don't see them. I do get surprised if you hear a lot of hype and they're a sophomore. My example of that, Dave, is you covered him. I heard hype about Rico McCoy the minute he stepped on campus at Tennessee. Remember that when he was like absolutely standing out in practice? Still didn't play that much in 2005. And well, that's a good point. And Rashad Baker by Philip Fulmer was called the most fluid wide receiver he had ever seen. And the next day he was moved to defensive back. So <laughs> go even the head coaches can be wrong. Uh, if, if we can as well, represented by Banks and Jones, let's get to a second down. Cooper Mays here. Second down. All right. UT offers uh MTSU transfer. We uh, uh, defensive lineman. And then I want to get to Boo Carter. So let's talk about the guys that could come into Tennessee's football program. What do we know about this Blue Raider? And then I want to get to Boo Carter and tell you that I'm sorry, Walter Nolan may be an alum of mine, Powell High School, but he does not have deep East Tennessee ties. Let's start with the MTSU transfer as we look for guys that might come into the program as opposed to leave. Yeah, so Marley Cook is an MTSU transfer. Um, he has he's a grad transfer, so there's not going to be any like holdback swarm. He's only 6'1, 284, but honestly, Dave, you can be a little undersized and play on the line in the system if you have agility to a certain degree. And so I think that would be fine. He did have, I mean, he had 19 tackles for a loss and 10 and a half sacks last year, largely playing in the middle. That's an insane stat line when you're playing in the middle. I don't care that you're at, a, at what is it, Conference USA level. That's pretty impressive. So I think this is actually a pretty 
intriguing option for the Vols. And I would say that, look, we saw this. We're mentioning him. You're right, guys. I stand corrected. McCollin Castles is not going to be back next year. But that's proof of your best transfers are the guys that come from smaller levels that may have just been misevaluated that are really, really good and really, really experienced. And I think Marley Cook could help with Tennessee with their lack of depth that they need on the defensive line next year. Split on the tight ends. If you use them like you did Fant and Warren, where they're a big part of the offense, then they're integral to this offense. I believe they will be uh, with Nico at the helm. Joe Milton, that wasn't those weren't his best passes up until the Vanderbilt game. Uh, it, it's, it's the little uh, dinks and dunks and the intermediate routes, which is primarily what they run. That just wasn't his, that wasn't his best ball. So I don't think that that was going to uh, happen anytime soon. All right. So guys coming in and out of the transfer portal, the latest news uh, that we have, and that is Boo Carter. Apparently do we want to pull that Twitter up. Let's pull that Twitter up asking Walter. Is this third Nolan, down? Oh, yeah, it is third down. Sorry about that. Coop, sorry. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. What else should people do, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Yes. So this is still actually. Gabe would never spot the ball as an official, guys. In case you don't know, he would just let the clock run out, like 30 seconds run off the clock and just never spot it. <laughs> no, I, I would be awful of that. Um, so th- this is going to be crammed together. Boo Carter asked Walter Nolan to come back home. All right. So for those that don't know, Walter Nolan was born in Memphis. He played high school football at three different schools, Olive Branch High School in Olive Branch, Mississippi, St. Benedict at Auburndale in Memphis as a junior, and Powell High School as a senior. His coach at Powell, Matt Lowe, who is terrible at poker, described him as a young man who has been blessed with size, speed, and athleticism. Matt, always a great quote. Um... He doesn't have ties to East Tennessee. I don't think he has any reason to come to East Tennessee other than the business reasons, opportunity and cash. And I will still say when you get involved with an A&M or a Tennessee or even an Ole Miss ranked higher on the on three ability to pay out than, than I thought would, you're already entrenched with financial deals. So I think it's actually tougher in some cases to pull a transfer from another school than it was five years ago before the transfer portal and before NIL. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm with you. I don't think Walter Nolan's leaving Texas A&M. There's too much money on the table. And also here's the thing, the day, this day and age with the NFL, if you're thinking about your NFL draft stock, they scout so well, Walter Nolan's not going to hurt his draft stock seeing a Texas A&M regardless of the transition they're going through. He's just going to lose money. So I can't blame him for staying there. I will say this, this telling story to me is a, I think Dave, and many of you on the message board owe Boo Carter an apology. He's not going anywhere. He clearly I, okay, wants yeah. to see it, Tennessee. I'm glad you pointed that out because I will admit when I'm wrong. I don't think I transferred a lot. He flirted with Colorado. I actually predicted at one point I don't think he ends up at Tennessee. But now he's recruiting for the Vols, so I think that's good news for the Vols, and I think it's good news that Boo Carter will end up at Tennessee. So I'm totally leaving that one behind and what um, and when what in what stratosphere at this stage would anybody of boo carter's caliber where he is in his connections to tennessee flip his commit to colorado given what's happening with Deion sanders right now out there oh well no i at the time we're in september i thought that yeah i was giving Deion sanders the benefit of the doubt but that's clearly not the case anymore his i, I told you i'm addicted to watching his press conferences him and jim harbaugh now and his press conferences are on youtube and it was like he went through Deion sanders did and uh, greeted everyone, uh, kind of shook their hand and said, hey, good, uh, good to come back and all this sort of thing. Well, why? Because he's in a little bit of trouble. It's like when the 
the guy at the press conference says, Caleb, that's a very good question. He's doing two things. He's trying to endear himself to you, and he's trying to think of something good to say. So as far as third down, uh, that's uh, potentially players coming into the program. You mentioned no, that's Jews fourth left. down. Come on, well, Dave. you got to stop the ball third. better. I'm still oh, on still third. On oh, okay. Sorry, you're still on third. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Guys that'll affect Tennessee. Juice Wells at wide receiver from South Carolina. Then I want to get to the guys that will affect Tennessee, not from a roster standpoint. That's fourth down. Maybe this is on the fly. Uh, That's fourth down. But uh, before we get uh, past third down, which is a possession down in some situations, although uh, Caleb never punts. Uh, Juice Wells, fit? No. Would he come to Tennessee? Thoughts? I mean, I would consider him coming to Tennessee, consider coming to Tennessee if I were him. The only reason he wouldn't is he'd be a slot guy. And I think Squirrel White still has that locked up. And Juice Wells wants to play immediately. He's already been in the in college, uh, a, a major receiver for two years. He's transferring because Spencer Rattler entered the portal, and he knows that nobody else is going to throw him the ball. So my, particularly with Shane Beamer and Dowell Watkins as offensive coordinator, keep an eye on other guys too, Mazio Bennett. You made a prediction last year, Dave, that Mazio Bennett would not stay at South Carolina when he committed, flipped from Tennessee to South Carolina. I did. I think, I think we're going to see that within the next month. Mm, okay, and I can't blame him. Okay, I... <clears throat> here's my thing with, with juice Wells. I, I and, and you talk about him being a slot. I would not have said this a month ago, but Dante Thornton could slide outside and play an outside receiver position. I don't think it's his best fit. I think it's uh, a slot, but we saw that happen later in the year before he got hurt, that he did play wide out. So then maybe you're looking for another slot receiver. So it depends what Tennessee wants to do with Dante Thornton. They want to slide him outside, which they did for a couple of plays before he got hurt. If you remember, I never thought that they would move that. We never saw Jalen Hyatt play wide receiver where Cedric Tillman and Brew McCoy played. We never saw any of that, uh, Ramel Keaton included. But we saw a little bit of that. So I don't know. Maybe you're more open to Juice Wells if you think Dante Thornton can man the outside. And quite frankly, it seems to benefit Dante Thornton's skill set better. I never said that through the recruiting process, but I always kind of thought it subconsciously. You're still forgetting Squirrel White. Juice Wells is still not going to Tennessee with Squirrel White there. You don't even think he'd be okay with alternating, say like Tennessee did no. with tight ends? No, okay. he doesn't want to alternate because there's a half chance he won't alternate because they still might keep Thornton in the slot. So he has to take the chance that Thornton moves to the outside just so he has the chance to alternate at that point. So That's fair. Okay, here's the other thing we don't know. Is he just in it for the cash? Like a... Uh, Guy that rhymes with Ronte Borton. I, I mean, if he's just in it for, for Juice Well, so if he's just in it for the cash, then Tennessee can get him. But they would yeah, have to. They need to. They, they need to put their cash else. elsewhere. They right. need to put their cash elsewhere. But there will be one goofy move in the SEC where you're like, "Why did he do that?" And if you really knew yeah. behind the scenes, it was because of the cash. Which down, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. All right, some guys that don't affect Tennessee's roster but will affect tennessee on the field graham mertz says he's coming back to florida has unfinished business What's that's my that? favorite line unfinished business. you would you would think florida like almost got to the national championship or sec championship this year and like and then just missed like florida went five and seven what's your unfinished business getting to six and six <laughs> and i guess <laughs> i guess but is it is it actually good for florida good for tennessee that florida keeps graham mertz around i mean he did give Tennessee some trouble this year, but I don't think that was because of him. So I think, yeah, it's good for Tennessee. I think it's good for Tennessee. That Florida game was just, it spiraled for a quarter 
And that's all that happened in that one. So, yeah, no, I think it's good for Tennessee if Graham Mertz sticks around. I don't think he'll be able to do what he did. That he They they saved an element of Graham Mertz's game that Tim Banks didn't see and then utilize it in that game. Now the book's out on him. I think Tennessee would absolutely torch Graham Mertz next year. But, you know, he's got unfinished business, though, Dave. So Unfinished um, business, yes. He, he, he forgot one set that he did in the weight room. I guess that's it. <laughs> uh, anybody else really affect Tennessee quarterback Dante Moore, Oregon State quarterback DJ Uagalele? Uh, they enter the portal as well. Could they end up? Listen, the quarterback play was bad in the SEC this year. Could either of those guys end up uh, in the SEC? Wouldn't stun yeah, me. Yeah, both of them, I think, could, honestly. We don't know yet. We have to see where they both go. But um, Dante Moore said some very telling things. He said... He said he's entering the transfer portal because he's a quote, I want to develop. I want to go someplace where I can develop at quarterback. That's a direct shot at Chip Kelly, which is saying that Chip Kelly doesn't develop you a quarterback. That's literally what he's saying. Um, DJ Ugalele, uh, Clem- uh, Oregon State's head coach, has gotten hired somewhere else now. So uh, I think that with that, Jonathan Smith, yeah, Jonathan Smith, ah, Jonathan Smith was hired at Michigan State. I think DJ Ugalele may want to follow him. I, he just looked. This is conference realignment having a big issue. Oregon State, Washington State are the two left out on the cold. And you know, when you can play at a power four school next year, you're not going to stay at either one of those schools. It's kind of sad to see. Agree with that. Some news coming in about Tennessee and where they're ranked nationally in terms of attendance. So Michigan is number one at 769,000 in seven games. Penn State, 758,000 in seven games. Tennessee, 713,000. In three games, LSU four, seven Alabama. Games, seven games. Oh, seven Still games. Seven what games. did I say? Okay, you said in three games. games. Oh, that'd be amazing. All right. So what does this say about Tennessee's home field advantage? And does it continue if Tennessee puts up, let's say, a nine-win season next year with Nico as the quarterback? Does that does that continue or is this a short-term mega home field advantage tennessee's always going to have a home field advantage just how significant is that let me me ask that of of you caleb a scale of one to ten how big is it we're represented by banks and jones tennessee's trial attorneys play to win banksjones.com why banks and jones other lawyers say they'll go to trial they won't they'll sell settle for less banks and jones ready to go to trial for you truly tennessee's trial attorney BanksJones.com. support our sponsors that's why they are here all right so that's why we're here uh will tennessee continue to be the mega home field advantage if the balls just win nine next year coming off of a eight win season um maybe not next year but this is really significant dave how this played out because let let me point out a couple of stats for you. Tennessee's no longer like in the conversation like it was in the early 2000s for the biggest stadium. There were some safety precautions. They had to pull some seats out. People got mad at the late Mike Hamilton for doing that. But the fact of the matter is what was happening in the late 90s was Tennessee was trying to cram seats to outdo Michigan and they violated every single building code and safety measure possible to do that. Well, and they were totally uncomfortable too. I mean, that was before my fat, fat days and I was uncomfortable sitting in those seats. Yeah, that was a stupid... Um, competition between Michigan and Tennessee, and I'm glad they moved on from it. You're right, Mike Hamilton deserves credit for that. It's a m- much more fan-friendly type of environment. Now, I, I found it interesting yeah. that out of the top nine, Auburn, Georgia, Texas A&M, Alabama, LSU, 
and Tennessee are in that group. So six of nine. Well, that's not the real the story, SEC. though. The you real story, the real though, story. the real story is Tennessee number three, because what I was getting at was that Tennessee has now, I believe, they fall, they have the sixth largest stadium. They're only third in the SEC. LSU and Texas A&M both are ranked higher. Now, okay, Texas A&M, I understand why they're not. They're six. I understand why they don't want to show up for games. They want a Jimbo Fisher fired. And so I get why they quit showing up. LSU, though, literally had a parallel to Tennessee this year where they expected a lot of big things and it just didn't match what they did. But LSU had some big home games and you would have thought that they would have had fans show up more. And let's not, let's not forget this, Dave. Tennessee, this was the year where their biggest games, if you do their three biggest games, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, two of the three were on the road. And so because two of the three were on the road, they should have had less attendance this year. It should have been a drop. And they finished number third, again, ahead of LSU, ahead of Texas A&M. Another stadium that's bigger than theirs is Ohio Stadium, Ohio State. They have better attendance in Ohio State, and Ohio State was in the college football playoff rankings. This, to me, tells you the story of who are fans, what are, are fan, which program are, who's more excited about the state of their programs right now? Ohio State having the third largest stadium and being behind Tennessee uh, and LSU and Alabama and Texas A&M and Georgia. That, to me, suggests that they're they're out on Ryan Day. Uh, yeah, but also remember this too. A lot of those tickets were purchased following a 10 win season. And I did see an awful lot of uh, Georgia and Vanderbilt post about tickets for sale. So I think you're seeing, unless Tennessee wins 10 or 11 games, I think you're seeing the erosion a little bit, the early bits of the erosion from the 10 win season, as far as fan support, I don't think you're anywhere shape form even close to throw a yellow flag, much less a red flag. Everything's still fine. But I think you're seeing the beginning of that. If Tennessee were to win eight games next year or nine games, uh, I don't think that Tennessee would be an elite home field advantage. Still very good. So we're splitting hairs to some extent. Uh, still very, very good. Uh, let's go ahead and get to what the H because my guy Caleb brought this up and I love Caleb. But sometimes he just uh, he says stuff that I know is going to get me in trouble. So here we go. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right. So here is what my guy says this morning. He said, would you rather have Josh Heupel, Nick Saban, or Kirby Smart if – if you're Tennessee, right, is the way that this breaks down and our what the H statement of the day? Is that the that way this correct. breaks down? That is correct. If you're Tennessee. Okay. Do you want to oh, – who would you take? i take Josh oh, Okay. Make your argument now. I want to hear it because I'm having trouble following you. Saban is old, yes, but Kirby Smart and – Josh Heupel are in the same generational category. How can you not take Kirby Smart? Be sure and hit the like and subscribe button. Want to hear your thoughts. Would you take Josh Heupel over Nick Saban or Kirby Smart right now? So I'm going to let you go, Caleb. I don't know how you're going to defend this, but I believe in you. You've done it before. Pull the fish out of the lake because this is one big bass. There are two types of coaches. One 
that and both they can be both be great X's and O's coaches. One is an X's and O's coach that maximizes his players. Okay, one is an X's and O's coach that knows how to make sure that can get the best players and knows how to put those best players in positions to win. The Jimmys and Joes. You know what I'm talking about, Dave, right? The Jimmys yes. and, and Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are Jimmys and Joes coaches. They're good analytical coaches. They are great X's and O's head coaches, but they do it from the perspective of having the best players. So they can run a simplistic pro-style offense and focus on defense and the old defense wins championship narrative because they have the best players and that's what you need to do when you have the best players. Then there are the coaches that have to be creative. And the reason they have to be creative is even if they can recruit at a high level, they can't recruit at a level where they will out-talent Georgia or Alabama or the top schools. Tennessee is in that position. So I think because Tennessee is in that position, they're just a step below, by the way. They're like, they're not, they're not Nebraska, where there's absolutely no talent. Don't get me wrong. But they're certainly not, um, they're certainly not Alabama or Georgia. So they have to be creative with their offense. Okay, let me ask you this. So Kirby Smart couldn't do the same thing at Tennessee that he has been able to do at Georgia. Obviously, geography would go against him, but you say no. Yeah, he would absolutely not be able to do the same thing at Tennessee that he does at Georgia. Not even come close. Um, Well, you know Kirby Smart, part of the reason Georgia hired him so quickly. They didn't want to hire him that year. They wanted to wait another year. But South Carolina came calling. So – this kind of provides. And he wouldn't little, have been able to do it at South Carolina. That's what I was going to ask you. This kind of provides a little bit of a backdrop to your argument. Would he have been able to do the same thing that he has done at Georgia at South Carolina? Nobody's saying that Smart would come to UT. We're just comparing the three coaches for a message. Board. No, because if you're going to be a, look, if if you if you are a talent based team, you should structure your team around defense, Dave. You agree, right? Because great defense. I, I Jimmy disagrees with me. Funny enough, on this, Jimmy Hines, but I think great defense still beats great offense. This even this day in college football. If you put the perfect defense lined up against the perfect offense and they both know what each other's doing on a play, I think the defense wins still every time. I would be with Jimmy and I would be offense because the rules changes. But 20 years ago, I would have loved what you're saying. I would have been at the church of Calhoun. But right now, I think the rules changes have made it too difficult. I still think it's defense even today. It's at, I least, still think the- it's at least debatable. It wasn't 20 years ago, right? That that's fair, but like we're seeing, look, Georgia's winning in Alabama. Why they're winning national championships because of their defense, and still to this day, they're they never have the most explosive offense in college football. They have the most, they have the best defense consistently, and that's if you are a talent based team, you build around defense. And Kirby Smart, I'm just going to say this: How do a Muschamp do at South Carolina? He's a uh, Nick Saban no, disciple, no. a defensive coach, just like Kirby Smart, right? And he failed yeah. miserably. Um, how Jeremy Pruitt do at Tennessee, a Nick Saban disciple, defensive coach failed miserably. Kirby smart would be, is, is on par with Jeremy Pruitt and Will Muschamp. Okay. What about the kill you versus Kumbaya approach? Okay. Cause basically Alabama and Georgia, they come to practice every day to, to kill each other. Those are the type of practices they have. They had them at Tennessee in the late nineties. There's more than one ways to skin a cat. I'm not saying that that's, that's the right or wrong Still way to do it. Such a disturbing phrase. But I hate that phrase. What? More than one way to skin a cat. Why would you ever yeah. skin a cat? What sociopath came uh, up with that one? Well, I guess you, I, I don't know, working at a, a, some, some sort of restaurant that serves cat secretly instead of the Kung Pao beef. But um, the, uh, the Kumbaya approach would probably be one of my least favorite things about the Josh Heupel 
program. So from the get, if Saban and Smart walked in the door, you'd have a tougher program. Am I wrong? A little less finesse? Maybe, but the toughness comes from how they're designed. They're a defensive first team, both of them. You need that toughness. Philip Fulmer, even though Fulmer himself was an offensive coach, he structured a defensive-oriented football team throughout his tenure, didn't he? He wanted to win ground and pound and dominate on defense. That's how Fulmer liked to win. Mm, yeah, but if he had the right quarterback, he'd get pretty excited. Kind of like the Joe Milton effect. You're like, ooh, I got a new sports car. Yeah, I agree. He would. He absolutely would, but he still would like to – I mean, again, we know the reason Tennessee won the SEC title in 97 was because it wasn't just Peyton Manning. They found a running back that they could turn loose to, and Fulmer loved that. So I think they like – I I think Kirby Smart and – now, when I say this, I don't think – well, I actually will say this. about I don't think Nick Saban likes coaching offense. I think Kirby Smart doesn't really mind offense to a certain degree. I think Nick Saban hates things like managing quarterbacks, Dave, if I'm being honest with you. I think it's, the, it's his big Achilles heel. He does it well, but he doesn't like it. But you do need to have the more physical practices. Now, maybe the kumbaya, the kumbaya approach, I think, has a lot to do with with Josh Heupel's offense. Everybody has to be on the same page consistently. So there kind of has to be a bit of a kumbaya approach, I think, because you kind of got need everybody going in the same direction to a certain degree. I don't now. You tell me what was Steve Spurrier's teams like? Because we keep saying Heupel's this era Spurrier. I know Spurrier himself wasn't a kumbaya guy. He he threw his visor and would he lost his temper at players all the time, didn't he? But I uh, know, but I would call them a respectable program. I mean, he didn't believe in hitting women, which some coaches allowed to go on. Um, so I thought they were mostly good people as, as opposed well, I mean, to like, mercenaries. I'm talking, about practice. I'm talking about in practice, though. Did he do the Kirby Smart, let's all get physical, or was he more I, Josh Heupel? I couldn't, I couldn't tell you because they sent me down there in 2001, and they wouldn't let any away media go to practice. So there you oh, go. That okay. is a complete waste of time. But like, <laughs> I mean, you saw Sorry. you saw Spurrier lose his temper on players on the sidelines, didn't you? On quarterbacks, particularly. I mean, he was not above lashing out and just railing into on. I'm sure practice was difficult. Let's put it that way. I'm sure practice was difficult. I don't know that it was of the Saban or Smart ilk. I think it was probably and, and, somewhere in between. Well, and then you brought up Fulmer. Okay, we, we keep, they may have encouraged that in practice, but we all saw Philip Fulmer in games, and it did not matter what a player did. There was always this, and always patting the him hand on the hand clapping. On the, if you're on the audio platform, you can't see the hand clapping, but you can see it clearly thanks to Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Enjoy life when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination, ccteyes.com. ccteyes.com. Look at me. No contacts, no glasses. Support our sponsors, cataract surgery, and LASIK surgery by those that care. So do you think that Josh Heupel's the happy medium? He's a little too bit kumbaya for, for my taste, personally. I don't know. I, I can't say happy medium. I just can say that I don't think Kirby Smart would have the same success at Tennessee. Now, Nick Saban would at this point, because let's be honest, Dave, Nick Saban has the level of credibility that he could go to he could go to Indiana and he would get number one recruiting classes at this point, wouldn't he? Just because players would want to play for him? Yes. By the so, way, like, skin- yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Skinless cats yeah, I, getting a lot of play. <laughs> the other phrase uh, is uh, I've heard people say in the past, I wouldn't give it no more thought than wringing a cat's neck. Why would you not give thought to wringing a cat's neck? Like, um, I've wanted to wring but, a cat's neck before. 
What'd you say? I've wanted to wring a cat's neck oh before. You haven't had enough cats. Um, what I was going to say was that Nick Saban at Indy, like Nick Saban could go anywhere and would get number one recruiting classes at this point. He's got the cachet to do that. So that's a little bit of a different story. But there, I, for Nick Saban, it's he's old. I don't think people have the same credibility for Kirby Smart in that regard. All right. So uh, Royal Payne, who is anything but because he's quite helpful, uh, looked it up on our YouTube channel. What stripping skinning a cat meant so what is what does that mean uh can you read that off the screen there uh it says looked it up uh, and it's funny that somebody named royal would do this because it's talking about the uk but looked it up and they used to make fur coats out of cats and the phrase came from the uk by the way i'm so college football oriented i thought you were referring to kentucky at that point but <laughs> I did for a second. <laughs> but the phrase came from the uk during a debate about the practice in the 1800s okay I could see that. That's interesting. So they skinned cats to make fur coats. God, the inhumanity of people. Yeah, it's um, absolutely awful. Is it better to skin something that's pretty like a fox or something? Or is it better to skin something like a cat where there's 5 million of them running away? How about that... you just skin a sheep? <laughs> the wool keeps you warmer anyway. <laughs> and they live. All okay, right. so Dave, let's get to this, though. You, you haven't answered my question. Would you yes. take Kirby Smart or Josh Heupel at Tennessee? Yeah, right I don't now. think you're saying I don't, I don't think there's any question you would take Kirby Smart. I think he's the second You would best. take Kirby Smart over Josh Heupel at Tennessee? Yeah. I would you take Kirby, Kirby Smart, Smart at Southern California. It's not a knock on Josh Heupel. You think Kirby Smart could recruit at Tennessee the way he's done at Georgia? Even come close? I if mean, he's if coming Georgia, close, if, though, Tennessee's probably won an SEC championship. Wait, yes, I, I think he think could. So. I think he could with his ties – you got to remember, Josh Heupel had very little ties in recruiting. Kirby Smart has a ton of ties. The only I'm, reason he might be able to recruit at Tennessee is if you somehow got Kirby Smart away from Georgia, Georgia might be stupid and go hire drunken Ray Golf again. And then he'd be able to recruit at Tennessee. But if I'm Georgia missing. if Georgia hires a coach that like has more than two peanuts for brain cells, then like... You I know you Georgia just contradicted yourself big time. You said defense. Look at you. You're thinking about it. You're thinking about what you said. You said defense will win most of the time. Kirby Smart is by far a better defensive coach. Yes, but defense only wins most of the time if you can get the talent to do it. I don't think Tennessee can get the talent to do it. They can't get what Georgia can get. You get so riled up. Uh, today's tough question is. Yeah, today's tough question is uh, coming up next. Brought to you in part by our friend City Heating and Air Conditioning. 50 years in East Tennessee. Integrity matters. Don't trust a fly-by-night HVAC company to tell you that you need a new unit that could cost you thousands or more. Go to cityheatandair.com, cityheatandair.com. This one's going to be brutal for Joe Milton, I'm afraid, but we're going to do it. Which ball senior will you miss the most? I'm afraid Joe Milton's not going to make like the top 12. Uh, stay tuned. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. We'll have our answers, and it will be on the YouTube message board. Vote there as well. It'll be today's tough question in about 90 seconds. As goodness knows, I need a haircut. Here we go. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place, unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK vision correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Uh. 
Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co.? What's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Excuse me, Your Honor. Play to win, banksjones.com. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, so it's Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, everybody's favorite in the SEC championship game. I bet they know how to get there pretty easily if they didn't have a police escort. Have you ever driven, have you ever ridden in a police escort type of scenario, Caleb? Uh, No. Not getting arrested. I don't mean that. I'm sure you did. I'm not that important. I'm just a humble guy. Yeah, I'm sure you've been arrested like 13 times, but never been arrested. That's a shame. I got a friend who's never been pulled over. Is that not odd? That's crazy. Never been pulled over. Yeah. I mean, I I might get pulled over this afternoon. All right. So uh, we had a question on the message board before we get to uh, pressing topics at hand, uh, like which senior will you miss the most? Joe Milton gets his senior bowl invite, but first. We had a question on the message board. Would Nick Saban have won at Vanderbilt? The answer is absolutely yes. Here's what Nick Saban, here's my thoughts on what Nick Saban would have done at Vanderbilt. He would have gotten to the SEC championship game three times. We're talking about roughly a 20-year career, if you want to combine LSU and Alabama. And he would have won one championship, but not an Addy. There's not that support in Vanderbilt. But I will go over the course of a 20-year career, he would have gotten, and he would have been hired away. Okay, so I know this is all hypothetical, so don't correct me on the message board. But what do you think? In 20 years, how many times does he make the SEC championship game? How many times does he win the SEC championship? I'll go three and one. You? Okay, so if he was hired in 2013, over 20 years, I would say, I would actually agree right with your That'd be 2003. If he was hired and well, well, no, I'm saying if you did 20 years from 2013, like up to 2033, 
in the future. If he was hired. Okay, in I was going to go from t- 2003 forward, but but anyway. Yes, if he was hired in 2003, I know he just won the national title. He would have some credibility. He'd have some staying power. I don't think he'd win any championships though. The same with 2007. Uh, again, for Nick Saban, it's the level of. This is why I said I would hire him over Kirby Smart. It's a little bit different. I, I probably would hire him over Josh Heupel if I thought I could get 10 years out of him because the level of credibility that comes with Nick Saban to this point is incredible. And it all dates back to him rebuilding LSU. Saban rebuilt a program that was three and eight and won a national title. I don't know any coach in the modern era that's really done that. And he did that with LSU. Now, I think it was pretty easy to do that with LSU. They just needed a coach who, again, they needed a semi-competent coach to do it. And Nick Saban was semi-competent. And Uh, But the narrative was that he turned them into a national title contender. And so that immediately gave him the credibility at Alabama. Kirby Smart doesn't have that type of credibility. Kirby Smart took over a great situation in Georgia. Good point. He walked into a heck of a situation. Remember this. Alabama was all over the place before Nick Saban was hired. Uh, Nick Saban inspired boosters to give money. Could you do that at Vanderbilt? Because the money is there. It's just, it's like American treasure. You've got to be, who's the actor that's so weird? Um Come on, help me on the message board. The actor that's so weird that played, uh, almost played Superman. That, that, uh, 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 ah, leaving Las Vegas. You know, the skinny actor. Come on, somebody help me on the message board. My goodness, he's really weird and he's he does like five movies. Yes, thank you, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. Okay, one with Nicolas Cage. I'm not sure. Where was I going with Nicolas Cage? I have no idea. We were talking about the boosters and the support if he got hired at Vanderbilt. Right. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with Nicolas Cage. Nevertheless. All right. Uh, so more but Kirby about- Smart, all I would say with Kirby Smart is Kirby Smart to Georgia was almost like Philip Foreman to Tennessee. The situation was that good when he took over at Georgia. Okay. So if Kirby Smart had been a, Virgi- uh, a Vanderbilt guy, would he have had success? It's treasure hunt, by the way. Uh, had would he have had success at Vanderbilt? No. No, he wouldn't have had the credibility. Kirby Smart is able to recruit so well because he's at Georgia and was hired in a, as an assistant. If he was hired as, as an assistant at Vanderbilt, he would not have had the success. You think Kirby Smart, as a, as a former Nick Saban assistant, where people questioned your prowess anyway, as as a because it's Nick Saban's defense, you think he'd be go, able to go to sell to top recruits, come to Vanderbilt and play for me because of my credibility? No. Saban had the credibility. Again, Kirby Smart took over a... It's the he, he took over the best situation in the history of situations in college football. It's like Kirby Smart, Philip Fulmer, two best situations. Bill Battle too took over a good one from Doug Dickey. But okay, that's it. Well, I'm just, <clears throat> I mean, sometimes that credibility doesn't matter. Somebody said recently that I would, I would be, I'd have the numbers of uh, a booger on somebody that doesn't know how to spell talking. And they said you would have that type of numbers. So my credibility of 25 years of covering SEC football doesn't mean anything to some people. So apparently you're in a different camp. All I'm, oh my gosh. All I'm saying, I'll put it this way. Kirby Smart could not have gone 11 and two. I'm going to say this. If Kirby Smart took over Tennessee, when Josh Heupel took over Tennessee, he's going four and eight his first year. No way he could have done what Josh Heupel did. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. Today's tough question is now. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. This is a tough one. It hurts me. 
brought to you by Don Self. Don, forgive me. He is your state farm agent in the greater Chattanooga area. Everybody's shopping prices, but for over 40 years, Don has built his business and reputation on taking care of their customers. You can vote on YouTube. I'll tell you more about Don, donself.net. Which senior are you going to miss the most? That is on our YouTube page right now. So I went with Joe Milton, the third junior Esquire senior uh, Prince, uh, Ramel Keaton, Jacob Warren, Aaron Beasley. All right. So what is your vote? And if you say anybody but Jacob Warren, I'm I'm just going to come to the screen and be really mad at you. These are people out of eligibility. We know they can't come back next year. Right. As a and person, say Jacob Warren, because I love Jake. As a person, I'm going to miss Jacob Warren the most. I, I love Jacob Warren. But honestly, in terms of what Tennessee means on the field, I think Tennessee is going to miss Aaron Beasley the most. Like, okay. significantly so. Okay. Now, the, the right now, when we look at the poll, it's Ramel Keaton, 30%. Jacob Warren, 30%. Aaron Beasley. Now, Beasley jumps up to 36%. Joe Milton, third. It's 9% of the vote. Give me the last time that Tennessee's fan base said, I'm ready for that quarterback to get the H out of the door. And I'm asking you because you, you, you have a, you, you have your finger on the pulse of the fan base. So I want you to answer this instead of me. I think Tennessee fans were very excited about Jonathan Crompton after Eric Ainge graduated. They liked what Eric Ainge did. But there was a lot of excitement behind Jonathan Crompton in 2008, Dave, before everything went to hell. Okay. I I know a lot of background there. I'm I'm not ashamed to say so now. I was very close to the Crompton family. I think there were a lot of things at play behind the scenes. I think it it turned them bitter to the university. But all that being said, he ended on a good note with a win over Georgia and then closed out the senior season. There's not that ending. I'm sorry. You can throw for 500 yards against Vanderbilt. That doesn't care. That doesn't matter. No, it, th- that ending's out there. I'm saying in general, though, it, it, this is the most extreme case of what you're bringing up. You're absolutely right. Another close one. But again, it's because of Nico waiting in the wings. Another close one, though, Dave, I will say, I was three. But I can, I'm a history major. So one of the things I do as a history major is I actually don't just study what happened. I study what was going through the minds of people when that happened and how and what the thought process was. So I know what you were thinking in 1991, Dave, better than you know what you were thinking in 1991. Probably. 1991, I can tell you exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking girls. I was a junior (laughs) in high school. Um, oh man. And there, and there was no internet. So the work to try to watch porn at that time had to be di- really difficult. I don't know about all that. I'm just saying, oh, okay, I like sure. the interaction uh, with the ladies. All right. So what I was going to say, um, was, uh, you would, you were a Tennessee fan. I know that. And yes. when you were watching Andy Kelly, you were enjoying that last year with Andy Kelly, but you were definitely like, I cannot wait to see what Heath Schuler does when he takes over next year. Because everybody there wasn't that recruiting coverage. There was, I've got, I got, I've got press clippings though. I've got press clippings. Everybody was excited about Heath Schuler going into 1992 because everybody knew he had the most special athletic ability of any quarterback they had ever seen. Okay. I'm not arguing that, but I like girls at 16 and I didn't know who Tennessee's next quarterback was going to be. I was not that into it, but I see your point. Everybody's excited about the next quarterback, but, and that's Nico, but the simple fact is people aren't excited 
about Joe Milton potentially coming back, which he can't. He doesn't have any eligibility left because he wasn't very good. If Joe Milton had another year of eligibility left, Hypo would have named Nico the starter this year, I think. Just to go ahead and move forward and not have the not have to have that competition because we all know Nico was going to be better long term. Nico's just that good. He's going to be that good. You're asking me what are, what's comparable, Joe Milton to Nico Lee? Yeah, no one's going to miss Joe Milton because they're excited about Nico. We re, we like Joe Milton. We respect him. But uh, if you're a Tennessee Do fan, we? you like Joe. I think Tennessee fans like. Do him. we? I think they I think they wanted him to have a good year. They really did. They really rooted for him. But it just didn't work out the way it wanted to. Had a decent year. Had a decent enough year. And I think they see it as a good transition year, but it's a transition year. So guess what? Do we respect him for what he did? Do you not like him? No, I don't dislike him. Like and respect's another thing. But I I I he he sidelined Tennessee's program for a year. I don't think he sidelined it. I don't don't think Tennessee was going to do any better or worse this year, honestly. Okay, this, well, here, here, here are my thoughts. I, I I think that he had a glass ceiling. He was gonna say he wasn't a good fit for Josh Heupel's offense. He didn't read the ball. He didn't read quickly, process quickly, get the ball out quickly. He wasn't accurate. I thought that in August. I thought that he would really limit what Tennessee could do offensively. So do I respect him for showing up and being a man? Uh, yeah, but it was just because he got lucky. You should almost respect the situation more than you should respect the person. What's he supposed to do? Lay back on the couch during spring practice and not do anything? He did the best he could with his opportunity. And yes, I guess I respect that. But there are a lot of guys that would do that. You and I, if they said you're going to be the starting quarterback for Tennessee in 2024, we'd work hard, wouldn't we? This whole work hard and you're a good dude doesn't jive with me. No, I mean, I mean no, but it wasn't. I, it wasn't let, me, it, let me let me tell you this. Uh, this is a shout out to Ernie Israel, who is still with us. He was our middle school gym coach. And he said, you can get a piece of paper and you can write two plus two equals five. And you can fill out the whole notebook and you can write two plus two equals five. I guess that was good effort, but two plus two still equals four. Joe Milton wasn't that level of bad of what you're talking about, though. Joe Milton equals five. He equaled five a lot. Okay, but Joe Milton was not. We're not talking like Jared Garantano in 2019. Okay, are we not? Are we not? We're not, Dave. We're not. We all watched that. Now, to be fair, Joe Milton had better supporting support system with Josh Heupel than Garantano did. But we're not talking about that. We're not even talking. I mean, I'm sorry. I hate to bring it up again, and it may not be his fault. But we're not talking Crompton in 2008 either. Gary, um, I'm not blaming we're not, the entire season we're also, on Miller. Gary, I'm not. We're not blaming talking the Rick Paulson season. in 2005. Lord, I thought that. Okay, um, that's another. Uh, Gary, I'm not blaming the entire season on Milton, but I'm just telling you the offense ran completely different because of his deficiencies. Period. Also, okay, this is not Tennessee, but I'll tell you a quarterback who had success that people were still not going to miss when he was gone. Ready? Yeah, Chris Lee. Chris Leak won a national title, and Florida fans still were like, we can't wait to see what happens after he's gone because they knew who was waiting in the wings. It's a great comparison. Um, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a great comparison. And listen, I, d- I don't think Tennessee had an option. I'm not ripping Josh Heupel or Joe Milton. I just think it was the perfect scenario in which both players are players in this drama in which Heupel and Milton, they needed each other to get through a year. 
but do I think this is the long-term answer? Let me ask you this. You, you already said something to the effect. If Joe Milton had another year of eligibility, how do you think spring practice would look? Joe Milton would have transferred if he had another year of eligibility because the reason he would have transferred is because Nico would have won the job. Hypo would not have wanted to go through this two years in a row. It was easy to go through this one year in a one year. Okay. The, okay. Then why didn't that happen in October? I'll give you September because he was light, but the guy's put on 20 pounds. Why didn't that happen in October or November? You finish out the season with Joe Milton. There's nothing why? wrong with that. Why, why not? So you can go get blown out by, uh, by Missouri anyway? They were they were going to get blown out by Missouri no matter what in that game. That wasn't Joe Milton's fault. I'm not uh, blaming it on Joe Milton, but a couple of different plays in the passing game changes things, guys. You I mean, the, you, you, what's wrong with finishing out the season when you know the result's going to be the same anyway with your six-year senior who stayed, who the team loves? You're not hurting anything for the future. Smoky Mountain Red said he limited us, uh, and we could have had the same production with Nico gaining experience. This gaining Other experience, than, no, 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 he's overrated. right. He's right. He's right. Other than say in September when you he was light and you brought it up, so I dug around, and yes, he was still light, but and he was a little bit banged up if you remember at one point. I think it was a wrist injury. Other than that, yes, you could have got him more experience. He could have played more, and you'd feel better about going into this upcoming season. I'm not and, okay. Does this? I've watched enough college football over. I think. <laughs> I think. Travis says Caleb, the voice of reason. Is this the Twilight Zone? Dave, I think we are overrating in game experience. There, I said it. I've watched enough college football in my time, and I've got to say that in game experience that's meaningful, totally overrated. Jameis Winston won the Heisman without playing a snap of college football. Johnny Manziel won the Heisman without playing a, before in the first year he started. He had never played a snap of college football beforehand. And I'm sorry. I don't think in-game experience matters that much. I think experience on the practice field matters. But I think right. in-game experience... Well, he's had that. Now, I've been told he's 50-50. But that's how the snaps have been divvied up. And that gives you some insight into coaching right there because most coaches will split it 90-10 or 80-20 when there's a clear-cut starter. So that 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 tells you one of two things. Josh Heupel's getting ready for the future or Josh Heupel thinks that the future may have come at some point in October if Joe Milton struggled more. I was told by somebody, again, with close ties to the program, they would have pulled the plug if it had gotten much worse. Now, that's not what I was told all year. I'm just passing along the information. They wanted Joe okay, Milton question to be here's a weird. Here's a crazy question. Did doing the 50-50 actually make things worse where either you pull the trigger go with nico to give him 100 or you just give joe 75 25 did that hold joe milton back a little bit doing 50 50 man i guess i guess you could make that because argument. i mean how many how many drops did we see from receivers this year that maybe they and joe weren't on the same page could that have something to do with the fact that hypo was splitting yeah. reps yeah yeah you saw a few drops because it was coming at him at 120 miles an hour well yes that, you did you absolutely did but i'm just saying by the way, and so the question becomes on this, how do you think he's going to perform in the Senior Bowl? you think he's going to help or hurt himself in the Senior Bowl? Let me get bowl? to that. Sports treasures, you can probably, I would imagine, get autographed helmets there of Joe Milton, if you would like, and they have great sports treasures that will hold their value better than that. I can promise you that. Uh, and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. Go to Facebook, Sports Treasures TN, follow them. Sports Treasures TN, follow them. Over 5 million sports treasures how do i do uh, how do i think he'll do in the senior bowl when's the last time a quarterback's done great in the senior bowl i mean you only get to play a quarter so i think the practices beforehand will determine how he's viewed by nfl scouts and i think he'll wow people 
I think his play was so bad, though, during the season that instead of Anthony Richardson wowing himself into a first-round pick, I think that Joe Milton will wow himself into the draft because of his physical ability. Okay, that's fine. Um, I, I could see that working out, too. I, I, I agree with you to a certain degree on that. That's probably what is going to happen. I would like to point out, for those coming at me about in-game experience, Guys, you don't realize how many national championship quarterbacks never started a game before their se- before the season they started, including T. Martin at Tennessee in 1998. Um, I don't think it mattered that he didn't play any meaningful snaps in 1997. And I would say the same. And, and do, uh, let me ask you this, Dave. Everybody's like, they'll get the in-game experience. Do you think Peyton Manning is any less good if he doesn't end up the starter in 94, if he redshirts in 94 as he planned to do? No, but you're the second person in 24 hours to bring that up to me. You're talking about one of the most transcendental quarterbacks of our generation and one of the hardest workers right up there with Michael Jordan. So I think that needs to be Peyton Manning needs to be removed from this conversation. Okay, what about five? If you want to say Casey, if you want to say Casey Clawson would not have been as, as ready his sophomore year because he didn't play his freshman year, I'll give you that. Well, no, I'm saying that they would have. I don't think it would have mattered, honestly. I'm saying I, Casey Clawson was a darn good bit better his second year because he made his first start midseason against Alabama. Okay, but what about again? But for your Casey Clawson, I can give you Greg McElroy. Never started a game and then won a national title at Alabama. I can also give you. Sorry. I was stuck in a car and heard a lot of McElroy yesterday on a podcast. I, I can also give you AJ McCarron. Never started a game, won back-to-back national titles. So anybody oh, wonder I, why Greg McElroy was so high on Hendon Hooker last year and has been so down on Joe Milton this year? Was it perhaps because he was doing a f- little bit of freelance work for, I don't know, a place called Omaha Productions last year, which is owned by, I don't know, a guy named Peyton Manning? Rick Terry, Jewelry Design. We want to be your jeweler looking for an affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals at Tennessee Tradition? RickTerryJewelry.com, and they bring your eye on the NFL, and that is Jalen Hyatt named NFL Rookie of the Week. Uh, just as Josh Dobbs' play starts to falter a little bit, I have no issue with that. I think you get figured out after a couple of games, and now it's up to Dobbs to kick it up another level, and he's one of the guys, I'll tell you frankly, that I believe in, and he will do so. Hendon Hooker makes his practice debut. I'm not a believer in Jared Goff. I am a believer now in the Lions, which I wasn't when he was originally drafted. I like what they're doing. Dan Campbell's a little bit of a goofball and a little bit too beloved as their head coach, but they'll end up on the right path, and I like Hendon Hooker's future a lot. But I want to go back to Jalen Hyatt. It's easy to say because Joe Milton's play that you missed Hendon Hooker more than anything from the 2022 season. However, I could make a strong, strong argument that Tennessee missed Jalen Hyatt nearly as much or as much as Hendon Hooker. There are a lot of balls that Hendon Hooker threw to Jalen Hyatt where he was there. And I mean wide open. And he runs like 38 miles an hour. And we underestimated, I did at least, his talent level and the way he could change an offense. Uh, He is going to be, at the very least, a 10-year starter in the NFL and might might end up being an all-pro. How much did we overlook Jalen Hyatt's departure a lot I considered him a total system guy 
I did too. Dead wrong. Yeah, I was dead wrong on that. And by the way, the hype behind Jalen Hyatt started in entering 2021. Everybody thought he'd be the go-to receiver, and they were shocked when it was Cedric Tillman and Valus Jones Jr. A lot of that hype comes from Dave. I know this. The previous coaching staff, Jeremy Pruitt and Jim Chaney, loved Jalen Hyatt. They wanted him specifically on the recruiting trail. And whatever you guys think about Jeremy Pruitt, that dude knows talent. He knew talent better than any. He may know. He may be the best talent evaluator Tennessee's ever had as a head coach. I can honestly say that. Like Jeremy mm. Pruitt evaluated talent like nobody's business. I can't go Philip Former because Philip Former had way too many busted recruiting classes in 2002 and 2005. Uh, just, well, just it's, it's completely two different comparisons. It's, I mean, there's a 67 Ford Galaxy that I want to buy down the road from me, but it's not <laughs> 2022 Audi either. You know what I mean? I mean, there's Daniel a lot more hits over Patrick Willis. Right. Uh, no, I'm with you there. But there's a lot, there's a lot more history there. Uh, if you want to make a comparison, what's better, Jeremy Pruitt on the defensive side of the ball and or overall, or Lane Kiffin on the offensive side of the ball? I'm uh, Oh, well, as, a, as an actual coach, I would no, take a recruiter, a recruiter, a recruiter, a recruiter. Ta- ta- excuse me, talent evaluator. That, talent. Those are the words. Jeremy Pruitt. I, I would take Jeremy Pruitt evaluating offense over Lane Kiffin evaluating offense. I saw what Lane Kiffin did with that 2009 recruiting class at Tennessee. He did not evaluate talent well at all. And then he went and got a huge recruiting class at USC when he went that first year after leaving Tennessee. And that was, again, a bust of a recruiting class. I think Kyle Prater was like the biggest star they got at receiver. Remember, you probably thought Kyle Prater was going to Tennessee, didn't you, before Lane Kiffin left? And never heard him again at USC. Lane Kiffin, nah. Lane Kiffin recruits on star ratings, guys. He recruits on star ratings. He goes by the services, and that's he doesn't evaluate. I'm just going to okay, say let's- that. Let's be fair with this Hyatt conversation for just a little bit. Travis brings up Hyatt was plagued by drops his first two years, so I think clearly that he improved his game. He was the guy who was on the jugs machine like an extra 250 catches. For those that don't know, the jugs machine shoots the ball out and you catch it. Um, Gary said, Gary does bring up a good point about Pruitt. Pruitt was so good he called Michael uh, Penix, Penix, excuse me, and said, hey, we're going in a different direction. And there's that always trouble. Yeah, right. But there's always trouble when Penix goes in a different direction. <laughs> but that was a smart guys. Penix isn't even playing that good down the stretch of this season at, at the Pac-12. We kind of overrated him in the middle of the year. He hasn't played well the last few weeks. And he wouldn't have been a good fit for what Pruitt was trying to do. And if you if we're comparing, you want to talk about that. Lane Kevin pushed Taj Boyd out, and he actively did not try to recruit Cam Newton. Okay, so it's on the YouTube uh, message board right now. It's changing. What ball would you miss the most from this class? Aaron Beasley at 36% is number one. Joe Milton, the third Esquire junior senior at 27%. Jacob Warren at 18% and Ramel Keaton at 18%. I don't know what you're thinking. Give I'm Jamel, sorry. I'm, so, I'm putting this give Jacob, out there. Yeah, give Jacob, J- Jacob Warren some uh love there we gotta go uh, we gotta do that uh phoenix would have uh, done better down south we could say that's camp that's terrible caleb i'm just putting <laughs> you. uh but with 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 hyatt um with hooker with the whole group i think we we definitely underestimated them to a large extent uh um, what's more encouraging you think long term hyatt getting his finally breakout game when the giants have the most incompetently run team in the nfl right now maybe and they finally realize that they got this weapon and they should use him or seeing hooker back at practice. And also another question, Dave, 
who lasts longer, Hyatt or Hooker, in the NFL? Oof. That's that really is a difficult question. Um like if Hooker makes it as a starter, he lasts longer because quarterbacks last longer than receivers. Well, here's my thoughts. Hendon is at the very least going to have a Joshua Dobbs type of career where he hangs out because he's a hard worker and he's smart, right? I mean, yes, at the very least, he's going to hang out in the NFL for eight, ten years. And he's got a, a much better arm than Dobbs, too. I love Dobbs, but Hooker's well, yeah, but, but I mean, with, J- with Jalen, I think what we're evaluating, is he going to be a star? Because I think Hooker's going to be around. So do you think Hyatt's going to be a star? If you think Hyatt's going to be a star, then you would take him over hooker yeah no you're you're, you're right and also and by, star, to, and by a star i mean four or five pro um pro bowl selections and really all pro because the way they turn down pro bowl selections is the one that matters i mean two or three all pros see, so those you thing. don't turn down hooker is the type of guy if he hangs around like dobbs and he gets his shot he would do better than dobbs to me because he can do everything Dobbs can do, but he'll also have the better arm. And so I think that really opens the door. And you see, I don't know if you watched the game the other night, Minnesota. They're, and I understand why they're trying to keep Dobbs more in the pocket right now. Because as you know, Dave, in the NFL, you can't constantly roll out to make passes. You do have to start throwing from the pocket more. And the problem with Dobbs is his arm is just, it's what you told me. And you're right. It's true. I love him. And I still think he could get it figured out, but he's got a, really weak arm i mean his arm compared to nfl quarterbacks is like rick clausen's arm was compared to other college quarterbacks in 2005 and it's just yeah and there's a bare minimum there's a bare minimum it's it's, it's like you ever are you ever on the interstate and it says minimum speed 45 miles an hour i mean or you have to get off the interstate joshua dobbs is right at about 46 miles an hour he is he is he's that's a very good comparison he's right there and i just don't know if now, I want to be fair. Josh Dobbs, of those four interceptions he threw Monday night, that was bad. Two were drop passes. And he did lead a game-winning drive. And he led a game-winning drive with amidst all that. And had Brian Flores not decided to not blitz on the final drive, which, Dave, I, you know my biggest pet peeve is how defensive coordinators change their defense on the last drive, even if they've been doing it right the whole game. They decide, oh, we're not going to bring pressure on you. What is the point of playing soft coverage on a two-minute drive when two minutes is an eternity to go down the field and score anyway? Uh, if you're up, if you're up two scores, I got no problem with it because you burn clock. But if you're up one score, I got a problem with it. He was up one point. Meaning yeah. all no, Chicago no, had to no. do, he's getting field goal. Range. Well, I just, I, I do hate it when people say prevent is never used. It should never be used. No, if you're up 30 in the fourth quarter, it's okay to use prevent. It should be but, used. Uh, yes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just, that's kind of one of my little pet peeves. Uh, this day in Tennessee football history coming up and it includes some all-time great portions of the program brought to you by the Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. So certainly check them out. Hemp House chat with two T's.com. Hemp House chat with two T's.com. Use the promo code hooked. That's hooked for 10% off. And two guys that Caleb Calhoun knows all too well absolutely rang it up on this day in Tennessee football history. You hang with me for two minutes and I'll tell you what happened just a few years back. Not that far. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment. 
with a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine a drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity a hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend a refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say give me three bottles of the good stuff tennessee cider company where necessity can be found The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Excuse me, Your Honor. Play to win, banksjones.com. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Who? a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, so here we go. It is on the YouTube message board, and Aaron Beasley is running away with it. What ball will you miss most from this class? And it's Aaron Beasley with 42% of the vote, Ramel Keaton and Jacob Warren with 17% of the vote, Joe Milton with 25% of the vote. Okay. Um, as far as uh, Keaton or Warren and where they stand tied for last, uh Listen, guys, if Ethan Davis doesn't come through uh, next year, and I think you will, but, I mean, you're always a turned ankle away, then you're not nearly as effective at the tight end position. I think you guys should be voting for Jacob Warren a little bit more. Ramel Keaton, I want to send out a little bit of uh, my bad. Uh, Keaton was banged up during the season at the time. We didn't know it, and I kind of thought he was a guy that just had a, a glass ceiling, as we talked about with Joe Milton. Uh, Keaton's probably a, a, a better player than – that showed up in 2023. Would you agree with that, Caleb? I agree. I agree. I still think there might be an NFL future for him, like late, late, late round, late round. And so I think, I think we should um, give him a bit of a break on yep. that. And by so, the way, uh, Aaron Beasley winning the poll, Rocky Top Tom says, Ooh, if you don't agree with that, then you can uh, go ahead and get on board and change it up. We can do that. Uh, as always, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. Truly, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Why settle? They won't. T. Scott Jones, banksjones.com. Others say they go to the trial. They won't. This day in Tennessee football history, December the 1st, 1951. I remember that year, not personally, but I remember it because that's when Tennessee won a national title. The Vols 
rode a 20-game winning streak and were 28-point favorites over Vanderbilt. Uh, they built an early 21-0 lead. The Commodores would surprisingly score three TDs in the third quarter. How many times have we said the com- have we, have we started the sentence with the Commodores would surprisingly score blank? Uh, but anyway, they did so. Three touchdowns in the third quarter to pull within a point of the number one ranked balls. Hank Laricella, the Vols All-American tailback, had to leave from injury, but his replacement was Herky Payne. Proved to be uh, just fantastic, a star in what proved to be Tennessee's winning march and clinching touchdown just before the end of the game. So ended up being tight, 35-27. to 27. Our friends uh, at this day in Tennessee football history, I would encourage you to follow them on Facebook. And I remind you that portions of the program are brought to you by our friends at Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT to receive some free swag. That's free hats with your cider order available most anywhere in the United States of America, tncidercompany.com. Nick Saban says it would be disrespectful to leave the SEC out of the college football playoff. I want to agree with that, but I want to agree with it now. I don't necessarily want to agree with it in 5, 10, 15 years when Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have both retired. I feel like they deserve the benefit of the doubt. If you're deciding between a four and a five and a five that's never been there, let's take a TCU and they're really even and you're a committee and you're subjective, you're not objective, which I would prefer with a formula. If you're subjective, I'm I'm giving it to the guy who's done it before and put up a good showing in the college football playoff. I'm leaning towards Kirby Smart or Nick Saban in this particular scenario. So would it be disrespectful to turn your back on them? Yeah, I I think it would. I think if it's a 50-50 split or even maybe a 60-40 split for the other team, I'm going with Alabama and Georgia and getting them the college football playoff because I know they'll show up. And at the end of the day, what is this, Caleb? It's a television show. It's entertainment, and I know those guys are going to show up. So disrespectful or dumb, pick the word, but yes, I would agree with that. I am so mixed on this. I am because in principle, I partially, I I want to agree with you. And here's, let me break this down a little further. For those who think there's an SEC bias, bias because of the number of times the SEC plays and gets the number of invites SEC gets to the college football playoff, the number of times they play in the national title. There was a year in the BCS where two SEC teams played each other for the national title. Dave, you know that one well in 2011. If you think there's an SEC bias, you have not paid attention to history whatsoever. The SEC has earned all the bias it got. And if you really think there's an SEC bias, here's a stat for you. There was only one team in the BCS era from a BCS conference to finish the whole season undefeated and not play for a national title. That team would happen to be Auburn, an SEC team in 2004. Mm -hmm. So if anything, there was a bias against the SEC. And they kept winning to the point that committee members finally had to actually automatically give the SEC the benefit of the doubt because against non-SEC teams in the national championship game every year from 2006 to 2010, an SEC team won. And then it happened again in 2012, 2011. And here's the other factor to this. Typically, when a controversial team gets into the playoff for the national title game, a team that we don't think deserved it, that barely got in, they almost always lose and prove us right that they didn't deserve to get in, unless they're an SEC team. 
They get in the controversial one, Alabama 2011, when they got the rematch with LSU. They proved they belong. They blew out LSU. Alabama 2017, Georgia 2021, every time they win it. So the SEC has more than earned it. And in terms of actual talent, no serious person is going to say that Alabama and Georgia aren't two of the four best teams in the country. And then lastly, one thing I I agree with everything you said. Yeah. It is a television show. You can, you're, I want to, I want to believe in body of work and most deserving, but I don't want to see Georgia TCU in the national title game. That's not good for anybody. No, let's be honest. TCU played one good game last year, but did anybody think that would be the case? And Georgia kind of played flat. I mean, I I thought that TCU would be a one and out and get blown out by 30 points, just like everybody else that has done that, like Cincinnati. That wasn't the case, and kudos to them, but that's probably going to be the case most of the time. Um, Now, this is going to be, they like to say, uh, a mute point in Ottawa. So this is a mute point in Ottawa, not a moot point in Ottawa. But it's going to be a 12 team playoff. So we've got a couple of people saying, Oh, it doesn't really matter. You know, a one loss team. No, no, no. We're talking about two loss teams when this turns into a 12 team playoff. So if you're a two loss Tennessee team and you're a two loss TCU team, who will be in which conference? Big 12. They're, yeah. They're still in the big 12. Okay. Um, g- g- give me somebody else. How about somebody that's not in the major conference. That's really highly respected. Well, no, this debate is actually versus major conference. I would still okay, give the, okay, well, let's go. the benefit of okay. the belt versus the Big Ten or the Big 12. Okay, let's go major conference. All right, let's go ahead and I'm going to ratchet up my own argument. If you're Alabama or Georgia and they have two – you're Tennessee. You have two losses and you played an SEC schedule, okay? And you're Southern California, okay, who has essentially played – I would say two tough teams will fall on their schedule a year. There's three teams really in the Big Ten to worry about Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan in no particular but order. Washington and Oregon will both be there next year, too, to be fair. Okay, so Washington and Oregon, I mean, that's a pretty stout conference. I would feel the same way about them as I would the, any team from the SEC, but the SEC just has more history. So if there's going to be, and remember, it's a television show, you're going to get great ratings, and that's a factor. Sorry, it is. So, Caleb, as I look at it like this, um, I would give the benefit of the doubt to the SEC for at least the next five years and maybe longer than that. If it's a two-loss team that's on the verge of making the playoffs and a two-loss Southern California team that's on the verge of making the playoffs, I'm going to lean towards the two-loss SEC team, Tennessee or whoever it might be. I agree. Um, and. This principle will apply with the 12 team that's applying this year. So here's why it's so tricky this year, Dave. Alabama, say hypothetically, Alabama beats Georgia, which I think we all, you know, that's going to cause chaos if Alabama beats Georgia. You know, the committee's praying that Georgia wins, right? Yes. Um, if Alabama beats Georgia and then Florida State, Michigan, and Washington all win. So you have the three undefeateds Florida State, Michigan, and Washington. We know, you and I both know that Alabama would beat Florida State by 40 right now on a neutral field, right? And so then there's Texas, who has one loss. Say Texas wins. Even though I think Alabama is better than Texas right now, can you really put Alabama in for benefit of the doubt of the SEC when Texas beat Alabama? Like, that's the real truth. That's the question for the committee. Do you hold by that head to head principle? Or do you hold by what you know is true, which is that even though Texas beat Alabama at Alabama, Alabama is the better team. 
Well, see, here's why I love Rocky Top Tom's uh, contribution to the program. He says, and this is a perfect example of what is disgusting about the prospects of a 12-team playoff. We're talking right now about two lost teams being in. Two lost teams will be in. He calls it, goes on to call it sickening. I have no problem I agree, Rocky Top Tom. Totally disagree. What other sport do you have to go undefeated to have a chance to win a championship? There is no other sport. What other sport has regular season games etched in our memories as some of the greatest games in history? Okay, the kick six is the greatest spectacle in the history of sports, and it was a regular season game between Auburn and Alabama. That that wouldn't matter in this era. Nobody would remember it. The only NFL has wild finishes like that in regular seasons. Nobody remembers. You know what they remember? The immaculate reception because it was a playoff game. But right. they don't. No, but I, and the NBA is the same way. I, the first thing I thought of was Larry Bird and Dominique Wilkins. They had that showdown, but that was the first round of the playoffs. Um, no, you're right. But but what is wrong with that? You've got one. Give me your give me your most prominent college football memories quickly over the past five years kick six has been a little bit longer right 10 years well past five yeah. years the playoff has been in existence i think the playoff ruined the sport and ruined it it's at an all-time high television ratings are up i still think it ruined the sport i think it's a long-term mistake look this is a debate we'll get to in a second because i wanted to talk about the effect it's going to have on conference title games so i want to stick with the sec real quick on this okay um at, what's your so dave where do you go though do you put Alabama in over Texas? Do you put them in over FSU even though Florida State's undefeated? Or do you just leave them out altogether? Who do you put? The, do you replace Alabama with? Do you replace Texas or Florida State with Alabama if both win this weekend if Alabama wins? Ask me that question one more time. If Texas and Florida State both win, Florida State's undefeated. Texas has one loss but beat Alabama. And so if Texas and Florida State both win and Alabama wins, to put Alabama in the playoff, you have to put them in over Texas or Florida State. Would you do that if Alabama wins? No, I would put the team that beat Alabama head-to-head. How many losses does Texas have again? Texas has one okay, and well, beat Alabama head-to-head. Question. But what about Florida State? Florida State's undefeated. Uh, You know what I think about the ACC? So, again, that would come down to what Nick Saban said about do you give them a slight preferential treatment? And I believe you do. So I would take. So you go ahead and put Alabama in over an undefeated Florida State. Yes. And that would be an I, that, we're su- Alabama winning, right? We're assuming if Alabama, this is assuming Alabama, okay. Texas, Florida State, Michigan, and Washington all win. Well, the, the, and, the, definitely the definitely the safest thing that you could do is just win all your games. And somebody that knows safety is Harold Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques. Your workspace could be safer. Your children's school could be safer. We're working with private schools now. We're going to expand that to public schools. So reach out to them, uh, your school administrator, and say, check out Harold Group Security Solutions, heraldgrp.com, heraldgrp.com. Now, going back to what you said, the Immaculate Reception happened. We all remember it. That Larry Bird game happened. We all remember it. Uh, At least I do. There are playoff moments that would have never happened had these teams not proven worthy in the regular season. 
it's not like they showed up and went 0-16 in the NFL and then suddenly were making immaculate reception plays in the playoffs. I mean, to say that the regular season doesn't matter at all is, is really grandstanding. It matters a lot. You better win 10 games to give your chance a shot at making the college football playoff. And you better think about the fact that you could host a, a game at your home field, which would be awesome at Neyland Stadium or any of the other stadiums in the SEC. And you would like a buy. So with the way they've set it up, I have no issue. Now, if they hadn't set it up that way and it was one versus 12 and two versus 11, Caleb, I'd be on board with you because I think one versus 12 would be a blowout. Two 11 would be a blowout. 310 would be a blowout. No fun. But the way they've got it set up now, and you're not going to hear me say the NCAA is awesome a lot, but because they didn't do this, but the college football playoff committee, they did it and they put it together. This is golden. It's fantastic. It's going to be, it's going to be almost as it, it will be the second biggest thing to the Super Bowl within five years. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the championship game or that's going to be the, the semifinal day. Because personally, I don't know about you, but I like the conference. It wouldn't be the conference champ. What's the divisional playoff round? Because you've got four games in the NFL. So I don't know what weekend or what it's going to be, but it's going to compare with the biggest sporting events, which is basically the NFL in our society. So how did they not win by doing that? All right, so this is our new topic, and this is what I wanted to get to. They have a, they have rendered. Enjoy this weekend, guys. Enjoy this weekend. Enjoy tonight, Washington, Oregon. It's the last weekend ever that conference championship games will matter. It's the last weekend ever. Let me repeat that. Ever. The greatest spectacle in sports that the SEC started in 1992 because of a visionary named Roy Kramer, who really took the SEC leaps and bounds above everybody else and no commissioners come close. Greg, Greg Sinke is nowhere close to what Roy Kramer was as a commissioner. It's night and day created the greatest spectacle the week after Thanksgiving, having these conference championship games starting next year. Dave, you say you get to play for the first round by, so you try to win your conference championship, right? Mm-hmm. All right. You win the first round. You, you, you get the first round by, then you have to win three games instead of four to win the national title. That's that. That's the advantage of the bye, right? Right. Three games instead of four. Right. Okay. Well, you still technically have to win four games because to get the bye, you have to win your conference title. So why not just rest all your starters for the conference title? You know you're in the playoff anyway, and you still no. just have to win four games. I'll explain to you why. And here's my concern is that the conference championship games will go the way of the basketball tournaments. The they will be that next year. Okay. That, that, that I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. And here's why, because let's take a look at uh, this year. Where is Georgia currently ranked in the college football playoff? Number one, right? Number one. Okay. Number one. Where's that? Where's Alabama? Number eight. Okay. Number eight. So those two teams play. If Alabama beats Georgia and it's a 12 team playoff, they would have, a buy and or a home field game. Well, they would at least have a home field game. They might have a buy. What does That's, Georgia care though? Well, Georgia has to play an extra game. If Georgia, loses, Georgia has to wait, but they don't have to play an extra game. 
if they just rest all their starters for this game, this could be their buy. This can count no. as their buy. No, I'm dropping them to five. If they if they pull shenanigans like that, I'm dropping them to ten. But if they draw, if they if they lose, I'm dropping them to five so that it costs them a game. That's but the Dave, whole you're point. Miss, you're missing my point, though. I okay. If they have to try to win the conference championship game, that counts as a game that they have to win. Yes. So even if they get the bye, they have to win three games in the playoff. But plus trying to win the conference championship game, that's four games that they have to try to win. If they don't get the bye. If they just rest all their starters, heck, forfeit the conference championship game, and you don't give them the bye, they still just have to win four games at that point. Just happens to be four playoff games, and as a matter of fact, it'll be easier because the first round, would you rather exert your energy to try to beat Alabama in the SEC title or to try to win a first-round playoff game that you'll have to play against some group of five school that is going to be in the first round? If this were a 12-team playoff this year, agree or disagree? The winner of the SEC championship game would get a buy. The loser would not. They would. I'm saying the buy is irrelevant. You still actually, because you're still having to win the same number of games. If you don't try to win your conference championship, then that can be your buy. Okay, but not if even you don't to win it. try, then you're suddenly uh playing an extra game you're gonna have to show up and and by you're the playing way, an extra you, you're playing an extra game if you try to win your conference championship game but the sec means something it still does no, now this is the now now with the now with the big 10 no 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 no. the acc conference basketball tournament still meant something did it not until everything's gotten shifted around but it still meant something duke and north carolina wanted to win the acc tournament now i don't know what the pack two or Big Ten have going on, and if they have conference pride or not. But by golly gee, if you don't have a lot of pride in Atlanta on Saturday, no matter who you are, to win a conference title, that they will put a banner up, then I don't know what's wrong with you. If you don't think that game matters, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Plus, pragmatically, if you win that game, you're going to get a bye. So I I think the bye doesn't matter. Because of if you you can just use the conference championship game as your buy by not trying to play. I Nobody don't think is going to do that. I think you. I would. I would. I. You know what I would do? I would rest every one of my starters. I put every one of my backups in if I were Georgia this week. Every single one of my backups. Yeah, and you just punt the whole time. I. I would. I red boy you for water boy. I'd kneel it three times and punt it. Every single time, I would kneel it three times and punt it, and I wouldn't care. And by the way, I got another one for you, Dave. Here's where it's really bad. Are we going further into the uh, dumb deficit? Where are we going? Because this matters. This is a huge game. I'm going even further. The conference title, I mean, the 12-team college football playoff will kill rivalry week. If I were Ohio State or Michigan last week, I'd have lost that game on purpose. Because then I could get two buys. Not trying to play against the in the against my rival and not trying to have it not having to play in the conference title game. Thank you, Smoky Mountain Red. He says that would be horrible coaching, teaching players to lose. Herm Edwards said said you play to win the game, and you do. So that's why teams rest their starters in the NFL when they have what they need. Not in the not in the conference championship game. They it, I mean, there are things to play for both pragmatically and pride wise. Dave, you, you know how that, you get me on board. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you think that 
Tennessee, South Carolina, LSU. Uh, who else would be? That's pretty much it. Um, that, that that could have weaseled their way, not weaseled, but they could have gotten into a championship game. If you called them right now and you said, hey, uh, Josh Heupel, we need your team ready to play tomorrow. Georgia, uh, the, the bus had a flat tire. He's going to go play, and he's going to go play for pride, and he's going to go out and try to win the darn thing. Yeah, because there's no playoff to think about for Josh Heupel. So what? There would but be if you, if you win the conference. Next year, there would be if you win the conference okay, championship. Yes, okay, but, yeah, but, there, but that's why if you're Josh Heupel, you try to win because you have to win to get in, period. I'm By the way, okay, Dave, you can get me on board. You know how you can get me on board with this? You, want, you ready to get me on board? I don't know that I want you on board. Go ahead. Don't just do home field advantage for the don't just do home field advantage for the first round. Do it for the second round too. The four teams that get a first round bye, they get to play that game at home. Well, um, I like that. I like that, but here's where you cut it's not pragmatic because the bowl committees still have too much power. They don't have the power like they used to. Right. They still have a significant amount. So in five years, we're having this conversation for real when the bowl committees are like, hell, just send me whoever you got. Yeah, I or I, I agree and because like I think that because the NFL, the reason you're playing for the first round by is not the first round by actually you're actually playing because you want home field advantage because in January you that where who plays at home matters in the NFL a lot. Think about well, this. It'll, it'll matter. It'll matter in the, the playoffs, too. Let's just say Florida's at their best and Ohio State's at their best. If you're Florida, you don't want to go to Ohio State. If you're Ohio State, you probably don't really want to go to Florida. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah, that makes it fun. I said this for college basketball. I think the stupidest thing college basketball does is I think the conference tournament should be held by the team that had the best regular season record every year. If you're one of those smaller leagues that like, if you're one of those That's smaller nice. leagues, you know, <laughs> you're one of those smaller leagues that um only your conference tournament champion goes. I would say the team that has the best regular season record hosts the whole conference tournament. It's going to be played at their stadium. And That's like, nice. I, 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 yeah, I like that. that's how you make the regular season matter more. So you win the regular season. If Tennessee wins the regular season of basketball like they did last year, right? You, you yes. host the whole tournament at Thompson Bowling Arena? You host the whole tournament at Thompson Bowling Arena. That's hot. I really like that. You'd never brought that up before. Just when you were wandering around in the darkness and I was worried about your sanity, you pull that one out and then suddenly me and Paris say, That's hot. I mean, luckily for... Tennessee, when they they get a buy anyway, if they're in the playoff hunt because they play Vanderbilt before for the final regular season game, so they can rest their starters anyway and still win that game. Um, doesn't really matter, but no. yeah, I think you should. I think you should get to play if you get a first from. I think the seeding should be for home field advantage in the college football playoff. All of it. Forget the first round. The whole shebang. Until the national title game. That's fine. But again, we know why that's not happening because bowl committees are still strong. But I don't want this to sound gruesome. But as the older heads die off, and they already have some, that's why they've taken some power back from the bowl committees. But as these athletic directors that are older and they have ties and these bowl committees send them on trips that cost like $10,000, $20,000 to God knows where, um, when you start to lose that, then the athletic director is like, wait, wait, wait. I can have another home game. I think I would rather do that. That's where things change. And that will be in about five years. It's not there yet, but that'll be in about five years. The bowl committees now, if you would have ever told me 20 years ago 
the bowl committees are going to sit there and they're going to have no say in the teams they get. And they're just going to sit there and wait from practically a fax because it would have been old timey, a fax from the SEC saying you have South Carolina and Idaho. I would have told you you're insane because they had too much power. They had so much power. I, I, I can remember always broke, not to go Uncle Dave on you again, but I always broke bowl stories because I had a, a close friend who was on a bowl committee. So he would tell me the Outback took this. So uh, Tennessee is going to go to this. And it, there was like a chain down the line. Nowadays, you know what they do? Well, I'll go ahead and tell you. They hold a Chick-fil-A pregame preseason classic because the bowl game, they have no saying in the teams they're going to take. So that's that's exactly what they're like. Hell, we got to, we got to do something and save this revenue that's coming. That's why the NIT does the preseason NIT in basketball now, because nobody cares about the actual NIT anymore. So all home games. All right. I'm for that. Can we do that again on Monday? Uh, Now that I've got the chance to think about it. Uh, We're almost like a, a new level of subscribers and we greatly appreciate that. So, uh, Cooper Mays will tell you what to do, and uh, we appreciate Cooper doing that. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. That's hot. It is. So go ahead and uh, do that and hit the subscribe button. Tell a friend. Big, big things are coming. Uh, certainly looking forward to that. Ron Slay will visit with us next week. Uh, turn the notifications on. I've learned that, too. Leave us a review on any of your audio platforms. And, as always, we are represented by banks and jones other lawyers say they'll go to trial they won't they'll settle truly tennessee's trial attorney banksjones.com he is caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker this has been a presentation of off dog sports our kids have said to us since we've moved to minnesota we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.